after 53 years being saved, I can say a hearty amen to that song. That's for sure. No need to doubt him now. Take your Bibles. Turn to John chapter 1 this morning. Aren't you glad that even though circumstances and situations change, your God never does? Isn't that good? Jesus never changes. Same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, John chapter 1. I want to preach a real simple message this morning. This is, you know, this is not anything you haven't heard before. Uh, most of what I preach is what you've heard before, but just maybe in a different in a different. Uh, uh, from a different viewpoint, uh, but it is so, so, it's so easy for us, I think, today to get so caught up with things that are going on. You know, in, in, the, in the Bible, it tells us in the last days, perilous times shall come. Part of the perilous part is getting so caught up in circumstances of life that we forget why we're here. We forget uh, what our main mission is and what, why, why God has left us on this earth. And uh, this morning, I want to I take a look at why it is absolutely necessary, the necessity of bringing people to Jesus Christ. Uh, let's all stand together, if you would. And John, in the book of John chapter 1, look with me in verses 35 down through four, uh, 42. 35 through 42. Verse 35 says, Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he, it says he first, verse 41, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, it's good to be in this sanctuary this morning. It's good to be apart from the world. It's good to be with God's people. And Father, it's just good to have you here with us. You've told us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And Father, we pray that you would visit with us this morning in a special way through your word, through your spirit. We ask God that you know, you know what the needs are. You know what is going on in the hearts of people. And Lord, there's not a one of us we might think we know, but we really don't, because only you know the hearts. And we pray, Father, that you administer to hearts this morning in a way that only you can do. Help us to be reminded of what our, what our, what, what our commands are from you, what, what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We sang a song a little while ago, we'll work till Jesus comes. Well, 
We don't need to know what work we need to be involved in, and it's a very, very simple one, but we need to be reminded of it. We pray your blessings upon this time. Speak to our hearts. Help us to see this morning the importance of bringing others to Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, 53 years ago, I got saved because a man was faithful with the responsibility that he had of bringing others to Christ. Uh, the reason why I got saved was because the preacher decided to stay and talk to four punk teenagers, and we were punk teenagers, and uh, tell us how, how, how we could know for sure that our sins were forgiven. He could have spent time with his wife that night. He could have gone home and rested that night, but he didn't. Instead, he sat in his office, and we were there for at least two hours. And uh, the, the end result of that was myself and the three other, other fellas bowed our heads. Now, what went in everybody else's heart, what was going on, I don't know. But I know what was going on in my heart. And uh, for the first time, I realized that the only way I could go to heaven was by realizing I was a sinner on my way to hell and that I deserved hell. And that uh, Jesus Christ loved me enough to come and, and die for my sins personally. And that if I believed on him and asked him to forgive me of all my sins and repented and turned to Christ, that he would, he would save me and give me eternal life. Well, I did those things. And I, I walked into that building lost and on my way to hell. I walked out of that building saved and on my way to heaven. Uh, I mean, wow. What a, what a difference. And, uh, you know, the night seemed a little clearer when I walked out. The, the sky seemed a little brighter. Uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't remember a lot about, about the surroundings, but I know what was going on in the inside of my heart, and everything had changed because I had become a new creature in Jesus Christ. What if that preacher never spoke to me? What if he decided to stay in his office and not open that door that, that night? Well, I'll tell you, you know how many tracks I have had handed to me in, in uh, my entire lifetime? As far as I know, as far as I can recall, I've only had one tract ever handed to me. And that was here in Auburn. I was uh, doing, doing my daily walk at the time. And uh, uh, a lady walked across the street and handed me a gospel tract. That is the only gospel tract I've ever been given. My guess is that if he hadn't witnessed to me that night, I would either already be dead and in hell or, or still, still heading there. I am so thankful that Pastor Mullen brought me to Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what, Peter, what, uh, what Andrew did to his brother Peter. Right after he heard the Messiah, he ran and got his brother. And he said, he said listen, he says, hey, you, you, need to, you need to hear this guy. This is the Messiah. You need to come. And, uh, and he brought him to Christ. Uh, that always has been and always will be our very simple marching orders. Take your Bibles and turn with me back up a little bit to the book of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. 
Matthew chapter 28, these are some of the last words that Jesus uttered to his disciples on this earth. And in Matthew 28, 18, verse 18 through the, the end of the chapter, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now he, he told this, he could, have, he could have said in the scriptures that he told this to the apostles, because they were apostles. There are no apostles today. He didn't tell it to the apostles. He told it to the disciples. And all of us who have trusted Christ as Savior are, are told to follow him. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. Well, if we are, there's one thing we're going to be involved in, and that's bringing other people to Christ. By the way, not necessarily just bringing them to church. Sometimes we get this idea that, that uh, uh, inviting someone to church is the same as bringing them to Christ. It's not. We're supposed to be a witness. We're supposed to be a testimony. That involves being verbal. Uh, Andrew's first reaction was to get his brother uh, and, and bring him to Christ. Uh, I remember my first reaction was to tell my parents the next morning that I had gotten saved. My first reaction when I went to school was to tell my schoolmates that I had gotten saved. Sometimes, however, okay, we get caught up in everything that's going on. Uh, I've noticed uh, because of COVID, people have put on masks. People have, and rightfully so, I'm not knocking the mask thing. I'm just saying we've put on masks, we've gone into our homes, and we've closed the doors. And we're just now starting to get out again. But can I tell you something? During the last two years, the marching orders haven't changed. They've always been and always will be until either Jesus comes or you get taken home by death. Uh, your marching orders are go and be a witness to all the world. And so what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're just going to look this morning at just reasons why it is absolutely imperative that we bring other people to Christ. Get your fingers uh, nimble because we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures this morning. Uh, go with me to Psalm 9 and Revelation 20. Psalms in the, uh, the Old Testament, Psalm 9. And then Revelation chapter 20. Revelation is the last book in your Bible. Revelation chapter 20 and Psalm 9. In Psalm 9, look with me down in verse 17. It says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations to forget God. Now again, when I walked into that church building that night, I walked in wicked. I walked out righteous. Now understand, I wasn't righteous because of me. I was righteous because of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ gave me, when I asked him for salvation, I didn't know all this the night I got saved. I found out about it subsequently because of, of, of Scripture. 
But uh, I found out that that night he gave me his righteousness. So I walked in wicked. I walked out righteous and in good standing with God. But the Bible says that sinners will be turned into hell. Now turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. And in Revelation chapter 20, this is a future event. Verse 15, it says, And whosoever, and this is after the great, great white throne judgment that's going to take place in heaven, says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, it doesn't name names. It doesn't tell you any particulars. It just says that people that had not trusted Christ as Savior will be cast into the lake of fire. You know what I know about verse 15? I'll know some people that will be cast into that lake of fire. You'll know some people that will be cast into the lake of fire. At that point, there's nothing you can do about it. Not a thing. But now, there's something you can do about it. Now, you can't save them. I understand that. But you can tell them about a Savior who can. And that's, that's our responsibility because people are perishing. Uh, go with me over to, to uh, the book of uh, John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. And this is the... This is a conversation that, that Jesus was having with um, Nicodemus at night one evening. He came to him by night. And in uh, uh, chapter 3, look down in verse 36, the very last verse of the chapter. It says, He that believeth on the Son, the Lord Jesus, hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Uh, the wrath of God abideth on that That explains the condition of every person that you know and every person that I know that has not yet trusted Christ as their Savior. The wrath of God abides upon him. Again, when I walked into that building February 20, or actually February 19th, because we were there until after midnight, uh, when we walked in there on February 19th, uh, I walked in with the wrath of God abiding on me. When I walked out, it was gone. <laughs> it was gone because I was absolutely, completely, totally forgiven. But that's because somebody brought me to Christ. Sinners are perishing. Not only is, are sinners perishing, but there's, there's love that's constraining us. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are constrained by love. And that word constrained means compelled, or it means to be motivated. One of the things that, that, that ought to motivate you to tell people about Christ is the fact that, that you love them, that you care for them, that you're concerned about them, um, and that you love the Lord. It's not only love for others, but even more so than the love for others, it's the, it's the love for God. Because we're not just supposed to tell our friends, we're supposed to also tell our enemies. <laughs> we're supposed to tell everybody that we come in contact with when God gives us the opportunity that they can be saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And of course, what he's referring to there is what he talks about over in Ephesians chapter 2, where he says, 
and you were dead in trespasses and sins. Before a person saved, you're dead in your sins. After you get saved, you are then alive in Jesus Christ. But, but uh, it's the love of, of Christ and the love for others that constrains us. We, we forget how much God not only loves us today, but loved us. The Bible says God so loved the world. That's you. That's me. You know, so sometimes we read that word world and we just think of a conglomerate. Well, I'm part of that conglomerate. So are you. And the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. An obvious reason why we ought to, ought to bring people to Christ is because God's commanding us to do so. Go with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that I got a, a, a pastor at church that is full of a bunch of Bible believers. You bring your Bibles to church. Um, one of the reasons why I don't like having screens and showing it up on the screen or even having pew Bibles. We've never had pew Bibles. You know why? Because if somebody doesn't have a Bible and they want one, we'll give them one and not just put it in the pew for them. But... Um, but uh, I like pastoring a church where when I say turn to, I hear the pages rustle. That's, that's a beautiful sound. <laughs> it's gorgeous. God's commanding us. Mark 16, look down in verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, we have a responsibility uh, to, to everyone that we come in contact with to do the best of our ability to get them the gospel. Uh, go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Back up a little bit. You're in Mark, but back up to chapter 5. And look in verse 19. Mark 5, 19. It says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. And this is the, the man that he cast the devil out of. And uh, it says, go, go to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Right after that, this guy gets saved, uh, he says, he, he wants to follow Christ. And, and he says, no, no, don't come with me physically. Of course, he wanted him to follow him, but not physically. He says, no, no, go home. Tell other people, tell your family what God did for you. And that's, that's the command that we have, that God is commanding us to go and tell others about Jesus Christ. How many of you, how many of you here, are here this morning, you're saved, and you're so thankful that you're saved? Let me see your hands. Amen. So am I. Uh, especially on my spiritual birthday, I'm especially thankful for that. But the reason why I'm saved is because somebody took that command seriously. Uh, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Another reason why we need to bring other people to Christ is because of our position. Our, our position demands that we do so. And uh, our, our position urges us to do so. Uh, 2 Corinthians and chapter 5, look down in verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and as soon as you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says God puts you in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And then ver verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, there was enmity between us and God before we got saved. As soon as we got saved, that wall of enmity dropped, was gone, and now we, we uh, uh, are reconciled, we're made right with God. Verse 19, it says, To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. He says, listen, all of us have been given a position because we're in Christ, those of us that are saved. Because you're in Christ, you now have a responsibility. Somebody brought you to Christ. Now you have a responsibility to bring someone else to Christ and to bring others to Christ and to reconcile others with God. And of course, the only way they can be reconciled is, is to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. But because we are in Christ, we are automatically made ambassadors. In other words, Jesus Christ is not here. What, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is simply someone who represents someone else. Everywhere you go, every word you say, Everything you do in life this next week, in so doing, you will be an ambassador or a representative of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important for us to live the life that God tells us to live so we can be a good testimony, so we can be a good witness, so that when we tell people about Christ, it matches our lives. And, and uh, we, we, be, uh, we can be a faithful ambassador of him. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And look with me down in verse 14. Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. Romans 1, 14, the Apostle Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. What he said there was that he said, I have a responsibility. He says, listen, I am debtor. He says, Somebody brought me the gospel. I now owe it to others to bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. In James 5, look down in verse 20, if you would. James 5, 20. Let him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way 
shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. What he's talking about there is those of us who, who tell other people about Christ and have the privilege of leading someone to Jesus Christ when you do so. I realize it's not you that's doing the saving. It's God that's doing the saving. And I've had, I've had people that I have led to Christ. Uh, afterwards, they'll see somebody and they'll say, hey, I, I want you to meet this guy. This guy just saved me. Well, I didn't save him. Jesus Christ saved him. And if you were to, to talk with them about it, they'd under, you know, they, they knew who saved them. It wasn't me. But what they're saying is you were the conduit that God used in order to bring me to Christ. And that's a responsibility that we have. That responsibility is constantly pressing on us because every day we come in contact with people that are bound for hell and whose sins are not yet forgiven. An an another, another thing that calls us to bring people to Christ. Look with me in John chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, look in verse uh, 35 with me, if you would. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus is speaking. He says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. And look on the fields, for they are white unto harvest. In other words, what he's saying is there are just tons of people out there that are not yet saved that need to get the gospel message. And the, the field of lost souls is constantly calling out to us. Um, you think about this. Since you've been saved, and, and, you know, really, for me, even before I got saved, before I got saved, I, I never had anyone witness to me. Never. Uh, I never got a gospel track. I was 17 years old when I got saved. I realized I wasn't real old. But I never got a gospel track. I never heard a gospel message, ever. Uh, I never was witnessed to by somebody. And the first time I heard the gospel, I got saved. Now, I've realized since then that that is not usual. But God had been working on my heart. And there were circumstances in my life, really, that led me to that point of that night, trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. But you, you just think, think of this. Since you've been saved, how many people who didn't know what your spiritual condition was, how many people have tried to witness to you since you've been saved? Can I tell you? I've not really had, not that I can remember, anyone. And that just, boy, that bothers me. Because that tells me that if I don't say something, who will? If I don't tell them about Jesus Christ, who's going to? Because the need is there. You know, the field of souls is crying out that the harvest is ready and the people need to hear about Christ. Um, Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 1 again. We are just there a moment ago. Right after the book of Acts is the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 1. And then also Romans chapter 10. 
Romans 1 and Romans 10. In Romans 1, look down in verse 16 with me. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Uh, the, the nature of the gospel is what, what causes us to have a desire to tell other people about Christ. Um, truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is it's not just for a select group of people. It's for the whole world. Uh, God made it very plain when he said, for God so loved the world. It's not just to Jews. It's not just to Greeks. It's not just to uh, Gentiles. It's to the whole world. And so we have a responsibility to all. Look in um, uh, Romans chapter 10 and look down in verse 11. Romans chapter 10, verse 11. It says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all the call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I absolutely love that verse. And the reason why I do is because the preacher that led me to Christ wrote that verse on the front of a gospel tract, along with the date and along with the time that I trusted Christ as Savior. And, and uh, I remember going home that night and opening up my Bible to Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 and thinking this thing through. And it says, for whosoever. Well, I guess I qualify because that's me. I'm a whosoever. Whosoever believeth on him. Uh, for whosoever shall call, excuse me, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And I did that that night. I mean, I verbally called out to God. And I said, God, save me based upon the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. And I believed on his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad it doesn't say might? <laughs> it says shall. It's, it's a definite. But because of that, it, that means that it's open to everybody, and it is for everybody. You know, uh, I often hear uh, people who aren't saved make the argument. You know, they say, well, you know, you think you've got the only way. No, I don't think I've got the only way. I think God has the only way. And God said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If, if they believe in the, in the tenets of any other religion that does not point to Jesus Christ being the sacrifice for sin and the only way for eternal life, then they will die and go to hell for all eternity. I don't say that joyfully. I say that mournfully. That doesn't, that doesn't thrill me at all. That, that, that makes me realize how great my responsibility is, how great your responsibility is. Folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in the minority, <laughs> okay? There's not, there's not just you know, tons of people out there telling other people about Jesus Christ. And again, 
When was the last time that your door was knocked on by somebody else in the community trying to witness to you? You know, people say, well, why do you go door to door for crying out loud? You're just shoving it down people's throats. No, we're not. I've never tried to shove anything down anybody's throat. I want to give them an opportunity, just like I was given an opportunity. And the, the, the nature of the gospel requires us to do that. Um, here's another reason why we need, to, we need to bring others to Christ. Go to Luke 16. Go to Luke 16. Luke 16, verse 25. Luke 16. Luke 16, verses 25 down. We'll read down through, through 31. There were two men that died. Lazarus died and went, went to be with God in paradise. And then uh, the rich man died and he went to hell. And in verse 25, it says, But Abraham said, Son, and he's speaking to the man in hell. Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, beside, and beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. In other words, raise him from the dead and let him go to my father's house and my, my brethren will, will hear him. And uh, he says in verse 28, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. In other words, he's talking about the scriptures. But here's the thing. Somebody has to take the scriptures. Now, a person that's already died and gone to heaven, they can't do it. And once, once you're gone, you can't help anybody get saved. But you know what? You can do it now. What a privilege it is to be able to tell other people about salvation. Why is it so important? Well, this, this request came from hell. It came from a man who had died in his sins. His sins were not forgiven. He died and he went to hell. And he said, man, won't somebody take the, take the, the message to my brother, my brothers, my brethren. And um, uh, he was requesting from hell. Hell wants to see people saved. People in hell regret that they never trusted Christ as Savior and want other people to be saved. How do they hear the scripture? How do they, how do they know what the Bible says? They only hear it from us. Uh, take your Bibles and, and turn with me to, to Psalm 126. Another reason why we need to bring people to Christ, because it's a joyful thing to do. It's a joyful thing to do. Every time I've had the opportunity to have a part, whether it be through preaching or whether it be through 
witnessing, whether it be through uh, talking to folks about the Lord, uh, being at a fair booth and, and winning somebody to Christ, or, or being in a fair booth and watching somebody else win a person to Christ, possibly because I, I got them to come in and they went back to the table and they went and they talked with somebody else. Uh, it's all part of the process. But man, if you've ever led somebody to Christ, you know what I'm talking about. There's just a joy that you have because of it. And the Bible talks about that joy. Psalm 126 and verses 5 and 6, last two verses, says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Uh, we need to be serious about what we do. We need to be brokenhearted about the fact that, that folks are not saved. But when, when, we, when we sow, the Bible says, and that's our responsibility, we're just sowers, that's all we are. We're just giving out the message, we're just giving out the scriptures. But the Bible says that we'll come back with joy, bringing our sheaves with them. It may not be a huge harvest, but, but you'll have joy in your heart because somebody trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Um, take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, the book of, uh, well, you're in Psalms. Just go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And in Proverbs 11, look down in verse 30. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. It's talking about anyone who has a part in seeing people won to the Savior. And, and uh, the Bible says, He that winneth souls is wise. There's some wisdom that is beckoning us to bring people to Christ. I believe it's wise to do it, and I also believe that when you become a witness for Christ, God increases your wisdom uh, because you're doing what he wants us to do. And again, as I said, our, you know, our, our, uh, our, our marching orders have not changed. They, 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 they've been the same for ages. It's our responsibility to tell others about Jesus Christ. And here, here's another thing we need to consider. Go to, go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. If nothing else, you learned where some books of the Bible were this morning <laughs> that you didn't know. Romans chapter 13. Look down in verse 12. Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the, the Spirit of God, wrote this, verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in uh, strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Why? Because... Time is challenging us. Uh, the Bible says elsewhere in the book of Ephesians, it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The uh, Bible tells us, that, and I've quoted this before, uh, in the last days perilous times shall come. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we're there. Uh, this is perilous times. 
okay? And, you know, you, you say, yeah, it's perilous because it's, it's dangerous because the attitudes are out there and so forth. Yeah, but you know what? You know what bothers me more is not so much that it's perilous for us. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I mean, nothing, nothing. And so, yeah, it's perilous times, but so what? You're going to heaven, man. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, you know, God's going to watch over you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. But what about a person who's not saved? Have you ever noticed it's harder today to win somebody to Christ than it was even 20 years ago? You know why? Because the times are getting more and more perilous. Again, not just for us, but for the lost. More people are believing junk today than I have ever seen. You know, you've heard me say this, and, and I, I stand by it. I see it happening in our country. When a country turns its back on the Bible, when the country turns its back on God, and our country as a whole has done that, we used to be a God-fearing, God-respecting, not everybody, but overall the general tenor of America, even, even back even back 20 years ago, I, I read a, um, I was shown a headline in a British newspaper, and, it, it, and I don't remember the exact headline, but it has something to do with uh, our president, who is a president of a Christian nation. I mean, that's how they looked at us back then. I don't think most countries look at us like that anymore. I don't. Why? Because we're living in perilous times. And understand, when you stop fearing God, when you stop respecting God, when you st stop respecting the word of God, when you start treading those words that he has given and entrusted us with under our feet as a nation, you know what God does? He makes you stupid. You look at some of the stuff that people are believing today. Um, if you say, if you stand up in public and say, men can't have babies, you are going to be, you're going to be ostracized. Wait a minute. Men can't have babies. They're not made genetically to have babies. What are you getting bent out of shape about? Um, people get up and say, men and women are different. <gasps> you can't say that. Yes, I can, because men and women are different. But people are stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but, but understand, and I, I, I mean this seriously, I don't mean making a joke. I mean, it, it is so stupid, it's almost funny. But, but these people are serious as a heart attack. They believe this stuff. They really believe this stuff. You know why? Because they have swallowed and believed lie after lie after lie after lie. You know why? Because nobody's out there giving them the truth. Some of us have, have and at times, all of us, have faltered on our responsibility of telling others about Jesus Christ, and it's our responsibility to bring people to Christ. One last thing, and I'm done. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. 
in 1 Corinthians 15, look with me down in verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. Boy, if there's ever a, a time when that was true. In fact, you could actually say today, most have not the knowledge of God. And notice what he says at the end. He, he, he says in, in, in verse 34, he says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Why? Because if you and I don't tell them, who is going to tell them? It's our responsibility. You know what we need to do this morning? We need to, as individuals, just consecrate ourselves anew to telling people about Christ. Carry tracts with you. Have the Bible on you, whether it be a New Testament, whether it be, uh, you know, today, you can have the whole Bible on your phone. How many of you carry a phone with you? Let me see your hands, okay? If, how many of you have a smartphone? Not just one of those dumb phones, okay? You got a smartphone. All right, every person with your hand up, you can carry the whole Bible with you. And you can have it backlit in the whole nine yards and show people how to be saved. It's our responsibility to, to bring people to Christ, because if we don't bring them, who will? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to pray in just a moment, but I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, if you were to die today, are you absolutely positive right where you sit that you go to heaven? Do you know for sure that all your sins are forgiven? Has there come a point in your life where not only have you been born physically, but you can look to a day when you were born spiritually? It isn't just an evolutionary process. Oh, it might take some time to get you to that point, but the Bible says you must be born again. Just like you were born physically, you've got to be born spiritually. How many of you can look back to a time where you, you know that you put all your faith, all your trust in Jesus Christ, and if you died today, you go to heaven because he forgave you of all your sins? If you know that for sure, just raise your hand as a testimony. All right, thank you. Put your hands down. How many of you would be just as honest and say, I haven't done that, that's not me, but I'm concerned about it. Idol. I know I need to be saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? All right, thank you. I see that hand. Good. Anybody else? I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. I'll just acknowledge that your hand went up. But anyone else? See, I don't know that for sure. All right, then let me ask you another question. When was the last time you told anyone or you gave anybody a gospel track or told them about Jesus Christ? Are you taking Christian your responsibility seriously. Heavenly Father, I pray that you get a hold of our hearts this morning because we are living in perilous times. And God, help us to get a hold of the fact that it's, you know, so often we read that and we say, yeah, 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 that's so dangerous for us. It's a whole lot more dangerous 
for people who have never trusted Christ as Savior, if we don't get them soon, they will not only believe a lie, they'll believe a whole bunch of lies that will prevent them from ever believing the truth. And it's because they've not even been exposed to the truth, many of them, because we haven't told them. God, help us to see how important it is for us to tell others about Jesus Christ. And I pray for the one and for others that might even be here this morning, the one who raises their hand and, and then others who are sitting in their seat right now and they know that they're not saved. God, I pray that you get a hold of their heart and help them to see that they need to trust you as Savior. Just a moment, we'll give them the invitation. And Lord, uh, I pray that you'd work on people's hearts, work on the heart of the person who raised their hand. May they come forward and take my hand and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. What a privilege and a pleasure it would be to put them with someone and have them show them how they can know for sure that they can be saved and their sins forgiven. And then, Lord, please work on the heart, hearts of all of us that are saved, that we'd realize the tremendous responsibility we have of bringing others to Christ. Father, bless this invitation. Have your will, have your way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do this.